So our reading for today is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22. And I'm reading from the NRSV version. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? Picture the scene. You're Luke and you've decided to write your own version of the life of Jesus and the story of the early church. You've done your research, you've spoken to all, to all the eyewitnesses you can find who are still alive, you've spoken to people who knew the ones who have died, you've collected as many stories and bits of teaching that people have in their memories as you can. You have a whole heap of notes in front of you. Now you have to put them into some sort of order, problem familiar to anyone who's ever had to write an essay or a report or tell a complicated story. Luke uses Mark's gospel as his framework. It's been around for some 10 to 15 years or so. And I wonder whether, as he looked it over, he thought to himself, it says here, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. But he doesn't actually spell out what the good news is. Surely in an orderly narrative, we should have that first. And so here, Luke gives us not just the heart of the gospel, but also something of Jesus' sense of calling and a hint after our passage of some of the reasons why Jesus was not accepted by a large part of his own people. So Jesus has just come through his wilderness temptation where the devil tries to lure him to look after his own needs first by turning stones to bread, tries to tempt him to get glory and authority the easy way, by bowing down to the devil, tries to persuade him to force God to prove beyond doubt that he is God's Messiah by throwing himself off the temple. Jesus resists all this. Back he comes to Nazareth, his hometown, and to the synagogue on the Sabbath, back to the familiar, but the familiar transformed by a new sense of calling. Jesus is known here. He has some status in his community. He's invited to read. He reads from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We already know that Jesus returns from the wilderness filled with the power of the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of chaos at creation. And now and then throughout the Old Testament, we see resting on individuals. 
Later, in part two of his work, Acts, Luke will show us how in this last phase of history, God's Spirit will be poured out upon everyone. And the Spirit now is upon Jesus for a purpose. God has anointed him. This is what Messiah or Christ means, anointed. Priests and kings, occasionally prophets, were anointed to show that they were set apart for a special purpose. They were holy. And Luke shows us exactly how and why Jesus is God's Messiah, his anointed. Jesus is anointed to bring the good news, the gospel. And it comes as his mother Mary foresaw in her great poem of praise that Luke told us about back in chapter one. It comes to the least and the last. Mary said he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And here Luke records this reading of Isaiah in the synagogue uniquely. No other gospel has this material because he wants to foreground what the gospel is about. Jesus' care for the marginalised and the overlooked, which is a reflection of God's care for all who are sidelined, ignored by the powerful and the influential. It's about good news to the poor. Luke will tell us of Jesus' blessing for the poor and woe to the rich in his Sermon on the Plain. It's about release for the captives. Luke will show us Jesus releasing people captive to suffering. He will heal a woman bent over in the synagogue on the Sabbath with the words, and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage? On the Sabbath day. It's about recovery of sight. Luke will show us Jesus giving sight to the blind and more besides. Jesus responds to John the Baptist's messengers, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. It's about letting the oppressed go free. For example, those oppressed by their own wrongdoing, with its painful regret, will go free. Think of the woman referred to as a sinner who comes to pour perfume over Jesus' feet and weep while he's dining with one of the Pharisees. Your sins are forgiven, he says. Be free of this weight of guilt. And all these promises, Jesus says to his audience in Nazareth, are fulfilled today in your hearing. And that little word today is significant in this gospel. When Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, the Jewish tax collector, the collaborator with the Roman occupiers, who climbs a tree to get a glimpse of him, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And then when Zacchaeus repents of his wrongdoing, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. To the thief on the cross next to him who asks to be remembered by Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now is the time to hear the message of fulfillment. Today the scripture has been fulfilled. Now is the time to receive Jesus, to make the decision to cross over from death to life, as John's gospel would put it. I wonder if you remember the Christian Aid slogan, we believe in life before death. Our gospel is not simply 
about pie in the sky when you die. It's about life in abundance now. The letter of James later in the New Testament is very down to earth about what faith means. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? Jesus' life is the pattern for our life. We who follow him are called to focus our attention on those that society overlooks. Henri Nouwen, the Catholic priest and theologian, puts it like this. We are called to a life of downward mobility. He says, the compassionate life is the life of downward mobility, the descending way of Jesus. It's the way toward the poor, the suffering, the lonely, the hungry, the dying, the tortured, the homeless, toward all who ask for compassion. What do they have to offer? Not success, popularity or power, but the joy and peace of the children of God. It is, he says, the way to the kingdom. How much need we see around us in the world today. The overstretched food banks, the crowded prisons where hope is lost, the refugees risking their lives to escape oppression, the hospitals full of people ill with COVID and other people missing the treatment they need because of it. Just as Jesus was sent with his good news, so are we sent. And our passage from Luke reminds us that we will face opposition when we go. The rest of this chapter shows how the congregation turns against Jesus when he, turns, when he, when he points out that God's mercy was not confined to the people of God. God helped the Gentile widow of Sidon. God healed Naaman the Syrian. And we too will face criticism when we show God's love towards those some may think don't deserve it. People who think, people who they think have brought their misfortunes on themselves. People seen as feckless. In reality, none of us deserves God's love. And yet all of us are here today because God called each one of us personally. I pray that all of us may be attentive to God's call as he asks us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, carrying good news to the poor, release to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Lord, teach us what this means. Teach us to see as you see. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to bring good news to your creation. Amen.